Welcome to Double Happiness Multiplied with Sally Barker, the complete guide to enjoying your multiple pregnancy and building a happy, healthy family life. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 10 of Double Happiness Multiplied. I'm Sally Barker. On this episode, we discuss taking care of your children while you have babies in the neonatal intensive care unit. Psychologist Dr Monique Robinson has some tips to help normalise the situation as much as possible. Joanne Beattie shares her heartbreaking story of grieving for her baby boy who died in utero while watching her surviving twin fight for his life in the NICU. And senior social worker Claire Dimer explains the pressures facing families in this situation. To start this episode, I'm going to read you a poem. It's written by Emily Pearl Kingsley. She wrote it to describe what it's like to raise a child with a disability. It's also a great description of what it's like when you give birth to premature babies who require extensive medical care. When you're going to have a baby, it's like planning a fabulous vacation trip to Italy. You buy a bunch of guidebooks and make your wonderful plans. The Colosseum, the Michelangelo David, the gondolas in Venice. You may learn some handy phrases in Italian. It's all very exciting. After months of eager anticipation, the day finally arrives. You pack your bags and off you go. Several hours later, the plane lands. The stewardess comes in and says, Welcome to Holland. Holland, you say? What do you mean, Holland? I signed up for Italy. I'm supposed to be in Italy. All my life I've dreamed of going to Italy. Psychologist Dr Monique Robinson uses this analogy with clients who are faced with the preterm birth of their babies. It's a way to explain that even though you didn't arrive at your planned destination, eventually you will learn to come to terms with and even find some joy where you are. Dr Robinson tells us that it's okay to feel overwhelmed and not completely in control. Even if you knew leading up to the birth that the babies were going to come early, you're still trying to get through each week and still focusing on that, whereas once the babies are born and they're born early, there can often with women be a sense, but this is not what I was expecting. This is not what I signed up for. This is not the way I imagined having twins would be before I found myself pregnant with twins or all those sort of things. And as much as it sounds like it's just a revision of plans, I think for many women that total change in the expectations and the change in the, the plans for the future and exactly where they thought they were going to be at what time is really, really difficult. Some women haven't got the nursery set up yet, so they're sitting there thinking, but where do I put the babies when they come home? We haven't even done that. I've got no time to set up the nursery. All that kind of just everything being turned on its head is a grief in a way. It's a grief for what you didn't have. Yes, you've got something different. It's like you think you're going to Italy on holiday, but when the plane lands, they say, welcome to Holland. You're in a totally different place and you, you enjoy Holland. Holland's a great place, but you thought you were going to Italy. So it's that kind of idea that things are different to what you expected and there's a life that you didn't get or that you haven't got yet, you can't see yet, you do really need to grieve for. I think women who've got support of a partner are very much at an advantage. If you've got a partner to support you, it's not just about the sort of emotional support but also the practical support, obviously with other children, financial support and also sort of what I call like the gatekeeper always try and encourage women to use their husband or partner or just someone else who's close to them as a gatekeeper to deal with other people, to deal with the rest of the world, to deal with paying the bills at home, all those sorts of things that if they want to devote their time to being in the neonatal ward um, or even once the babies are home to just 
kind of getting through each day, that there's someone else who can take charge of a whole portion of their life for them um, is a really good idea. And that person can also hold, hold other people at bay if it's too soon for people to be dropping in and visiting or if that all seems really overwhelming, that it's not up to um, the mother to try and handle all that and tell people not to come and, and feel guilty about that, that there's someone else who says, look, we'll let you know when we're ready. The, the really important thing is that you've got to know when you're getting overwhelmed, when you're not coping, accept that you're going to feel overwhelmed and accept that, you know, for a limited period of time, it's going to be really, really tough, really tough. But if you're finding that you can't cope, if you're finding that suddenly getting out of bed in the morning, put, putting one foot in front of the other is not really coming that easy to you, that's when you really need to ask for support. It's also quite normal when you're going through this to need support whether it's going to the GP, obstetrician, if you've got a history of depression or anxiety, to really watch yourself in terms of where your mood's at, but not to expect that, especially in the early days, you're going to be 100% committed to your new role. You might be 30% when the babies come out. You might be thinking, I don't think I can handle this at all. I'm about 30% of the way there. That's okay. That doesn't mean you're a bad mother. That doesn't mean it's a disaster, but you're not going to necessarily feel that in those early days. It might be until the, the babies are three months old that suddenly you feel 100% in control and, and committed to it, but that's OK. You might remember on episode nine, we heard from Joanne Beattie, who gave birth to her twins at 27 weeks gestation. Sadly, one of her boys had passed away in utero at 21 weeks gestation due to twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome. She says coming to terms with the loss of her baby having another baby in the NICU fighting for his life and a toddler at home was a lot to cope with and the guilt was crippling. I think if it wasn't for the fact that um, my parents and my husband's parents flew in from Scotland to help us, I'm really not sure how we would have done it. I remember the feelings of guilt. Archie, he was only two and a quarter when Lewis was born, so he hadn't even fully comprehended that he was you know, going to have um, brothers and that where this mummy had a baby in her tummy and then suddenly mummy was gone and then mummy went to hospital and didn't come back and then there was no baby but mummy's tummy had gone. I'm not even sure how at two and a quarter you can comprehend that. It was hard enough for us. He sensed something was different. So in the morning I would try and spend between eight and three in the hospital with Lewis and then I would try and then get home to have some time with Archie, have his dinner with him, get him to bed, and then go back to the hospital for evening cares. But those days of just, you can't be in two places at once, but you want to be. And Archie wasn't allowed into the hospital. No children are, which is absolutely understandable. But you're then trying to create that bond between the siblings with photos. And we tried to get Archie to draw pictures and we would take in little toys and take pictures of Lewis with Archie's toys and take them back to show Archie and take little videos. But the pressure of of trying to juggle the two of them was just, um, yeah, it was just guilt. And if our parents hadn't been here, I'm not, I'm really not sure how we would have physically achieved being in the hospital for as long as we wanted to be and, and needed to be. Being there for Lewis really is the best thing for him. Those cuddles are just immeasurable benefit and my milk and being able to then you know establish breastfeeding. 
but Archie was, you know, here and in some ways I'm sure he has some memory of it. The best, best memories <laughs> I have from the NICU was the day Lewis came home and Archie got to meet him of all places in the waiting area. And he just looked at him and he said, my baby, my baby. And he didn't have many words at the time. And trying to push my hands away, he just wanted to hold Lewis on his own. And the smiles, and we have it on a little video, and it's the most precious little video. And I think to show them later will be really special. And I think what we agreed, my husband and I, that Archie, in a way, he got us through a lot of that NICU journey. Coming home, his cuddles, you know, getting to play with him. He was medicine for us, in a way... Not sure he realises his role in Lewis's journey and our journey through that time. And I think to tell him that when he's older, we have to share with him that whole whole experience. And we've started to try and tell him he's four now about Logan and that Lewis came in a slightly different way. And, you know, all the doctors and all the follow-up appointments that Lewis had and Archie spends a lot of time himself at the hospital. He now associates it with a juice box because that's where he would go. He'd go to the cafe with one of us and um, he knows the cafe ladies very well there now. He had his own NICU journey. It's a very challenging aspect to have another child at home. Senior NICU social worker at King Edward Memorial Hospital, Claire Dimer, says there are many social implications that come with having babies in the NICU and other siblings to care for at home. She says the biggest pressure are children under five. It's a huge stress for families when they have other children at home and they are trying to navigate and negotiate with lots of different people and lots of different caregivers. Each day having different people collect and pick up, it gets confusing for the other child. So that's a real struggle for families with multiples in the nursery, particularly around non-school-aged children. What do they do with those children during the day when they need to be here with the babies? I would say that it's probably 90% of their stress levels when they're here. If they don't have a good caregiver, they can really rely on and people don't want to just leave their children with anyone you know it's a really stressful event that's happened the children at home can regress in behaviors they can start bedwetting again because they realize something's happened mummy might be at the hospital for a long time is not coming home they start to get some attachment anxiety about mum going away and then not coming back because if she went to the hospital to have the babies and ended up staying in for a few days or a few weeks then they she didn't come home so when mummy says I have to go to the hospital to see the babies they get worried about that because they think she might not come home for a few days so that's another worry for the children at home so just being developmentally appropriate age appropriate with what you're telling them but having someone stable that can care for them, which is not always possible. Some people do support daycare, so they will send their children to daycare, but cost can be an issue. How do we go about communicating those challenges to our friends and family? When friends and family ask you, can I do anything for you? Say yes. <laughs> for a lot of our families in the nursery, the biggest struggle is actually asking for help. Often um, people are reluctant to ask for help because they are worried about what people will say or what people will think. But when it's times like this, you actually know who your friends are. And if they're asking, it's usually genuine that they do want to help. So if they're asking you what can they do, ask them, could you pick up my kids or could you have my kids every Tuesday? Just so that there's something stable in place or if you know that they have a day off work and they're okay with that and you would trust them with your child, ask them if they can look after your child on that day. 
because that's one less stress where your child's not getting moved around to multiple placements and it will be more stable for the child at home and create less stress for you because you know where they are and they'll, they'll be settled and they'll get into a routine with that person as well. So the less caregivers that you can have around the other children, the better. It's not always possible, but it would definitely help. So be quite specific about what you want. Exactly. Be specific. And if people offer, then take them up on the offer. <laughs> Don't be resistant to take up offers of assistance. And we talk a lot about self-care, mm-hmm. but that can be quite hard when you've got babies in NICU without mm-hmm. other children, but mm-hmm. having other children as well. How do we navigate that? So self-care is really important. So I would say looking after yourself, eating healthy, exercise, looking after what you find the most stressful or most worrying at that time if you can identify that and talk to someone about it and then work out a strategy to minimize that fact or that stress that's really worrying you and we would definitely encourage taking a bit of time away from the nursery to go and look after yourself a little bit and if you do have other children at home making a little afternoon for that child is really important as well giving that other child a bit of one-on-one time. Even though you may feel like you just want to be in the nursery all the time, sometimes taking that couple of hours a week or every couple of days with that other child will really settle them and make you feel a bit more settled when you're here. So taking that time away from here sometimes is really beneficial as well. And often dads are the ones that are running around, (laughs) running the other kids, dropping them, bringing the milk in early in the morning on the way to work. We definitely recommend self-care for dads and each family is different. Each family has their own individual stressors, whether it's financial, social and whether there's family relationship issues or substance use, domestic violence. We encounter all of those issues for parents in the nursery and there's definitely support around. You just have to know where to access it. If it's not readily available, what questions would you be asking if you're needing some sort of support? I would be asking who is in the hospital that can help me or who in the hospital can support me. Sometimes there's psychologists. There's usually a social worker attached to a NICU. You also mentioned regular exercise Mm -hmm. and a decent diet. Yep. How do we fit that in? What, what do we class as exercise? Is it, you know, going out and running the whole hospital block? <laughs> no, just in between feeds, maybe go out and just do a walk, uh, especially if you've just had a caesarean. <laughs> you don't want to be running anywhere. So it, my recommendation would just be do what feels right for you in the minimum time that you need to do it, whether it's even getting out of the car and walking the child into pre-primary or to school if you've got other children at home. Whatever it is that makes you feel good, taking time out for the day for 15, 20 minutes, that can, you know, release endorphins for you that make you feel good and a bit more relaxed. So when you get to the hospital, you're actually in a bit better mood as well, which improves your milk supply, skin-to-skin contact. You won't be so worried about other things, so you want to hold the baby more. And what we do know is, you know, having the more skin-to-skin with the babies increases the level of attachment for you and the babies. It makes you feel good, makes the babies feel good, and we hope that it gets them home quicker because they gain weight quicker. It can be improvements for mum and baby with more care and, and, you know, better self-care is really important. Thank you for listening to Season 1, Episode 10 of Double Happiness Multiplied. Coming up on the next episode, we're talking about breastfeeding. Lactation consultant Judy Adams, who is also a twin mum, gives advice about breastfeeding multiples and also shares her story of the pressure she felt to exclusively breastfeed her boys. Twin mum, Rebecca Perry, and mum of quadruplets, Janelle Snadden, also join us to talk about supplementing with formula, and I'll share my journey with breastfeeding. Until next time, I wish you double happiness multiplied. 
The only purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform and should not be used to diagnose any medical condition. It's no substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it doesn't constitute medical or other professional advice or services. Instead, I encourage you to discuss your options with a healthcare provider who specialises in multiple births. Guests who speak on this podcast express their own opinions, experience and conclusions. Thank you for listening to Double Happiness Multiplied, the complete guide to enjoying your multiple pregnancy and building a happy and healthy family life. Remember to head over to doublehappinessmultiplied.com to get access to more great resources.